everybody, welcome back to the Financial Freedom Show. My name is Rob Berger. In this short live uh, video, I'm gonna show you the Berkshire Hathaway letter. This is a letter that Warren Buffett uh, sends out to shareholders uh, every year. And they're great, uh, great letters. You can learn a ton about investing, uh, whether you actually own Berkshire Hathaway stock or not. Of course, if you own an index fund, at least the right ones, you, you certainly do own some Berkshire Hathaway. I've been a, a shareholder as well for a number of years. That's it. That's what we're going to do. I got about five or six things I want to show you. And uh, so with that, enough chit chat, as I like to say, let's get right to it. So here's where you can find the letter. Now, I've actually put a link to it below this video, but this is the, the very fancy <laughs> Berkshire Hathaway uh, uh, website, BerkshireHathaway.com. And the letters are right here. You can actually see them all going back to 1977. We're going to look at, at the one he just released, and it's for the 2021 you know, fiscal year. Let me make it a little bigger for you. And you know, if you've read these in the past, you know they've sort of followed this standard format where he shows he compares Berkshire uh, values to the S and P 500. One thing it's it's worth noting: look at the difference in return. The S and P 500 thirty thousand percent, and the and Berkshire three point six million percent. Just a slight difference, but uh, obviously Berkshire's done extraordinarily well over the number of decades. And so uh, here's the letter. I highly recommend that you read it all. Uh, and it's a very short read, actually. It's not that long. But I did want to just show you uh, a couple of things, highlight some things that I thought were particularly interesting. The first thing is this header right here, what you own. And it's a point he makes here in this section is that when we own shares of a company, whether we own you know, direct shares in a company or through a mutual fund like an index fund, we are business owners. We own a business. We don't own just some ticker or some numbers going across the screen on Yahoo Finance. We own a real live business. It's something that Warren Buffett stresses in almost every letter to shareholders uh, that he's sent out. And I think as an investor, if we see what we own is owning a business, I think it can help us avoid a lot of mistakes that we make. And he really makes the point in this paragraph right here, he says, whatever our form of ownership, our goal is to have meaningful investments in businesses, he puts that in italics, with both durable economic advantages and first-class CEO. Please note particularly that we own stocks based on our expectations about their long-term business performance and not because we view them as vehicles for timely market moves. That point is crucial. And this, this he sums it up nicely right here. Charlie, referring to Charlie Munger, and I are not stock pickers. We are business pickers. It's a real important point. And you know, sometimes it just feels like it's almost like a game. And if you're if you're an active trader, in a way it, it is, but if you're a long-term investor, it helps to see what you own is owning a business. And that's how Warren Buffett sees it. All right, that's the first thing I wanted uh, to point out. Again, a lot of good stuff in here, but I'm gonna skip through and um, uh, just highlight a, a couple of things uh, beyond that. One thing I thought was interesting in this bullet point right here, he talks about the, the amount of taxes that Berkshire pays and how you know we're sort of all in this together as part of the United States, Businesses do their jobs. If they're making money, they're paying taxes. I know this can get into sort of political issues. That really wasn't um, uh, Mr. Buffett's point. But the interesting thing he noted was uh, following his uh, involvement in Berkshire, this is goodness, are we talking, I don't know how many years now, 50, 60 years, whatever, 
The company was paying, he called it pathetic, 100 bucks a day in taxes. You know what they pay today? Nine million a day to the treasury. That was just an interesting uh, uh, point and something he, he kind of, he's talked about that off and on through the years, but I think it's, it's, it's worth uh, uh, pointing out. All right. Now, um, I want to get through some of this. And here we go. He gets to what he calls is the four giants. These are sort of the four, four big pieces of Berkshire Hathaway. The one that I want to focus on is Apple. This is the second bullet point. It's, it's right here. He points out a couple of things here that I think are worth noting. First, he said, look, over the last year, our ownership in Apple, you can see it here, it went up, it went from 5.39%. So Berkshire owned 5.39% of Apple, which in and of itself is extraordinary. But it went from that to 5.55%, which the first thing he says is, look, that may not sound like a lot, but look at this. For every 0.1%, it amounts to $100 million in Apple's earnings. So it's pretty, pretty significant. But the other point he makes is, look, he said, look, we didn't spend any Berkshire funds to increase our ownership from 5.39% to 5.55%. How, how did that happen? And he says, look, it's because of Apple's repurchasing of shares. And I know that a company buying back shares sometimes gets a lot of, um, I think, uh, has a sort of a negative uh, connotation. Some folks think it's not, it's not the way companies should be spending their money. The point that Warren Buffett's made over and over again is that if a company's buying back its own shares at reasonable prices, and that's important. You don't want to overpay for anything, right? Whether you're buying a car, a house, stock of a company, or if a company's buying its own shares back, you don't want to overpay. But if you're paying a reasonable price, it can be a great way uh, to increase the return on shareholders' uh, equity. And uh, that's exactly what Apple has been doing. And as he points out, uh, that has helped Berkshire's ownership of Apple stock. And then if we look at it, it's interesting. And this is where you get back to seeing the, the, the shares you own, again, whether directly or through an index fund or mutual fund, as a business. And it's in this paragraph, really important. He says, look, we get dividends, right? Because we own shares of Apple. And you can see it right here. Berkshire received $785 million in dividends. But the point he makes is, look, our share of Apple's earnings actually amounted to $5.6 billion. It's just that Apple doesn't pay all that out in, in, in dividends. It retains, obviously, the vast majority of that to reinvest back in the business and to fund the repurchase uh, of shares. But you can see here how Mr. Buffett is looking even at his own ownership or the company's ownership of, in this case, Apple stock as a business. This is not just shares to buy and sell and actively trade. He views, as he should, as, you know, as he teaches, Berkshire is an, a part owner in the business of Apple, and he looks not just at the dividends, but actually Apple's earnings, and in this case, Berkshire's share of those earnings. And I think we ought to see it the same way. All right, I want to move now down to investments. And this is a really important paragraph, particularly if you own shares of Berkshire. And I guess, again, if, if we're all in index funds, we all have a part ownership. The thing he, that I found interesting here is he said, look, um, it's not just me at the helm. We've got two, two uh, investment managers. You can see it right here, Todd Combs and Ted Weschler. And he says, look, they have, and he, he, he italicized total, they have total authority over $34 billion of investments. And they don't tell you which ones are which. People try to guess. But he says, look, they're longtime investment managers at Berkshire, 
and they are managing a significant portion of the portfolio. Why is he doing that? Because it's something he's been doing for years. He he recognizes the day is going to come when he's not running uh, Berkshire Hathaway. And he and Charlie have worked hard at a transition plan. Uh, based on some comments last year, I think most believe that Todd Combs will actually take over for uh, Warren Buffett. At least that would be the best guess of how things would happen, uh, let's say, if Warren Buffett retired today. Uh, but the key is, I think he's trying to communicate to in, uh, the shareholders is, look, we got some great people. This isn't just me. They've been doing this for a long time at Berkshire. Uh, they already manage a significant portion of the portfolio. And hey, listen, Berkshire will be in good hands uh, long after I and, and Charlie are gone. So it's a really important uh, point. And he's, he stressed that various times over the years, and he's doing that again here. I think that's worth uh, pointing out. And then the next thing, and this may be the last one, but it's this is kind of very interesting and important. And it gets to this section on U.S. Treasury bills. Now, remember, a U.S. Treasury bill is just, it's a bond issued by the U.S. government, but they call them bills. In this case, they have bonds as well, but bills refer to holdings that mature. You can see it actually right here, all maturing in less than a year. So these are short-term government bonds. You could almost treat them like cash or cash equivalents. They have very little risk of rising interest rates because their durations and maturities are so short. And there's a couple of really good nuggets in here. The first is, uh, he says, look, we will never have less than 30 billion, we being Berkshire Hathaway, of cash and equivalents. You know, you think about, you know, having an emergency fund. Well, Berkshire has an emergency fund, probably a tad bigger than yours. I can, I can assure you the 30 billion is just a touch bigger than our emergency fund. But it's as important for you and I, as important for Berkshire Hathaway. Now, uh, for shareholders, you may recall that in the past it's been 20 billion. So they've ratcheted up now. It's now 30 billion. And of course, they have insurance operations and they have various things that could could need a lot of cash in a very short period of time. So they're at 30 billion. So that's the first takeaway. Uh, the second one, though, and this was, I think, interesting. He said, look, that's our minimum. But what we actually have is 144 billion in cash and cash equivalents. What's going on here? And he talks about, it. he says, look, right now, uh, you know, there just aren't a lot of companies, whether buying whole companies or buying partial companies through purchase of stocks. There's just not a lot of great deals. And so, you know, we just have to be patient. And I think the same can be true uh, for individual investors as well. The thing that I found interesting is he said, look, he's been investing for, for a long time, as you can see right here. And during that time, look what he says here. I've always kept 80%, at least 80% of my net worth in equities, all right? His favored status is 100%. Of course, it doesn't always work out that way. Currently, Berkshire's uh, is 80%. And again, I, I thought this was an interesting perspective because folks are always asking me, what's the right asset allocation? As you know, I'm not a huge fan of 100%. I'm more comfortable 90-10 for long-term investors. But here you have from the, you know, the Oracle of Omaha himself, uh, he prefers 100%, but when there aren't a lot of great deals out there, he's not there, but he's never gone below an allocation of 80%. Now, in fairness, Warren Buffett's probably not thinking about asset allocation like you and I do, right? He's not thinking about a three-fund portfolio. Uh, he's investing directly in companies uh, and, 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 and parts of companies through, through share ownership. 
But still, I think it underscores his view, and certainly uh, uh, my view, uh, that equities are really what are going to drive long-term wealth. And so whatever your exact percentage and allocation is, it's certainly going to change, could change when you enter into retirement, but it needs to be you know, significantly weighted towards equities because that's what's going to drive long-term uh, value. And I thought that was interesting, those perspectives that he put into uh, this letter. Uh, and uh, he even points out, look, Charlie and I right here, he says, Charlie and I have endured similar cash-heavy positions from time to time in the past. These periods are never uh, pleasant. They are also never permanent. And fortunately, we have had a, a mildly attractive alternative during uh, 20 and 21 for redeploying capital. What's he talking about? This gets us back to a topic we touched on earlier, share repurchases. So if you've ever wondered the value of those, again, I would highly recommend uh, that you read this section. Uh, it's a very short section uh, of the letter. But again, if you can, if a company can buy its own shares at reasonable prices, uh, it can be a great way to return value to shareholders. Uh, and certainly Berkshire Hathaway has been doing that. In fact, he says here uh, they've repurchased 9% of the shares outstanding at year in 2019 for a total of 51 billion. So they've been buying a lot uh, of their own uh, shares. And so that, those were the main points I wanted to uh, share with you, the, my main takeaways uh, from uh, this letter. Again, I think it's all... Uh, worth reading. And it's not, it's just a handful of pages. Like they're, they're almost at the end. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, there it is. And it gets to um, the 10K you can follow afterward. There is an annual meeting this year. I haven't decided if I'm going. You can see here, uh, April 29th, May 1st. But if you're going, give me a shout out in the comments below. And if I end up going, I don't know, maybe we can do a meetup or something. As always, his letters are excellent. I highly recommend uh, you read, read them every year. If you've not read them in the past, go back and read them. They're very easy to read. They're very easy to understand like this one. There are maybe 10 pages or so and uh, worth the time. So there you go. That's the new letter that was just released uh, yesterday. Those were my sort of big takeaways from it. If you had other takeaways, let us know in the comments below. And uh, until next time, remember, the best thing money can buy is financial freedom.